Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season three, we're talking all about travel jobs. Let's get started. It is our first interview episode of season three, and I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Janessa Klatt. We are going to be speaking all about her job as a deckhand on a yacht. So how cool is that? (laughs) So just a brief intro of Janessa. She is Canadian and has always had a desire for adventure. So she studied abroad in Australia. She's backpacked solo through Europe. She's driven across Canada by herself for a job. And she's moved to a new country with just a carry-on. So yachting seems like the perfect new challenge for her during the pandemic, I might add. And this might sound crazy because she grew up in a completely landlocked area of Canada, but she navigated the pandemic and fought gender stereotypes to learn her first job as a deckhand, which is a predominantly male role. So she's been paid to travel the world by boat, rent-free. And we talk about the ups and the downs. It's not the most glamorous job because you hear living on a yacht sounds awesome, but there are definitely challenges and trials and tribulations that she had to go to. So I'm so excited about this. I think this is such a cool opportunity and something that like I personally had never heard of until the past couple of years. So I just know that like, had this been something I was aware of when I was younger, I would have been so gung ho about it. So I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Without further ado, here is my chat with Janessa. Janessa, welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Callie. Thanks to finally connect with you. Awesome. So this season is all about travel jobs, and we're going to be talking specifically about one of your travel jobs, yachting. But before we get into that, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your background and life before yachting? Yeah, for sure. So I am from Canada originally, Winnipeg specifically, which is about as landlocked as you can get. So people are always asking me, like, how is a girl from the prairies into yachting? So growing up, I've always loved traveling. So I did lots of North American road trips with my family. I always wanted to go a bit further. And my first time overseas was when I studied abroad in Australia in university. I fell in love with it, couldn't wait to do more, but I came home and finished my degree. So my background is in sports science, which is also not related to yachting at all. My first professional job was on the opposite side of Canada. So I kind of just took the leap and loaded up my car and drove all the way to Halifax on the East Coast. And I worked in a private gym there. So I still wasn't totally happy because I had no free time, no extra income, really living paycheck to paycheck, and I couldn't travel. So that was the first time I made a big leap to go do something else related to travel. I quit my job, got a working holiday visa for Germany, and 
had a one-way ticket and just a carry-on and I moved to Berlin. So I fell in love with Berlin. I had all these wild aspirations of nomading around Germany and taking different jobs as I went, but I settled into life pretty quickly in Berlin and I worked as a bartender and it let me travel every single month. I went to a new country in Europe and I loved it. So I was still there during COVID and renewed my visa for a second year of a working holiday visa. So as a Canadian, I'm lucky that I had that option. It was a great place to wait out the pandemic. But then I was looking at the future of once my visa ran out, what I was going to do next. So I saw one option be going back to Canada, moving back in with my mom, and everything was shut. So all private gyms were still closed. Business owners were struggling to keep them alive. Everything in the hospitality industry is closed. And so I kind of asked myself what else I could do. So I got really lost in the Google rabbit hole and found out about yachting. (laughs) So kind of once I got the idea in my head, I couldn't get it out. And so I started just doing as much research as I could. There's already a lot more available information online than a couple of years ago. So this was probably about three years now I started preparing for this next journey of working on a yacht. So I guess two of the barriers were I wasn't sure if I wanted to switch to a totally new industry during a pandemic. Like, is that crazy? Maybe, probably, but it did work out in my favor. Also, out of the jobs that you can do on a yacht, which I would love to get into more later, I wanted to be a deckhand, which is traditionally a male-dominated role, working on the outside of the boat, maintaining everything, definitely more of a physical role. And I didn't see any women doing it. So I literally just searched on Instagram, hashtag female deckhand, hashtag girls on deck, and came across a girl from South Africa who had also switched the year prior at the very start of the pandemic to working as a deckhand. And I got in touch with her and started asking all these questions. And she answered all of them and more. And we ended up meeting up later that year in the south of France and becoming friends. And she was just amazing. So that kind of gave me the confidence to take the leap. So I went down to the south of France, did some basic courses, and then within a few weeks was on my first boat. Oh my goodness. Like, that's so fun and exciting (laughs) and just like a huge range of things that you just mentioned. So just to back up a tiny bit, first of all, I love that you had like the foresight to recognize you're like, this isn't what I want to be doing in the private gym. I want to be traveling. I need to make a change. And then you actually took action right away and made that change. That's so cool. And I feel like it's rare. A lot of people kind of sit in the suck and just be like, "Mm, I wish I could do other things, but they don't actually take the action. So good for you. Definitely. (laughs) I think the, the biggest way of getting over that fear for me was that I thought the alternative would be looking for a different job in a similar field. And I was afraid that if I got a job that was better, that I liked more, that I would be stuck, that I'd be afraid to leave that job. So I was more afraid of getting stuck than of living across the world to a place I had never been. Love it. That's like so quotable. That's awesome. And so when you went down that Google rabbit hole and you were searching for what's next, yachting stuck out to you. What other areas were you exploring? And what about yachting made you be like, this is what I'm going to do next? Compared to other jobs, yachting was surprisingly pandemic proof, as opposed to something like cruise ships or other hospitality jobs, which were all completely shut down. 
yachting carried on pretty much the whole time. Uh, some people lost their jobs initially when yacht owners kind of panicked, but they still take a full crew to run. So unless they went down to a skeleton crew for the winter anyways, most people did keep their jobs. And a lot of people that had the means to do so were chartering yachts for the first time instead of other types of expensive holidays, because it's actually one of the most safe and isolated ways to take a holiday if you have that kind of money. So the yachting industry never really stopped. I really never thought of that, but like, what a great point. And so hopefully we never have another pandemic, but that's also something to consider when looking for this type of job. Very cool. So you mentioned that you wanted to be a deckhand. Can you talk a bit about the role of deckhand and other potential entry-level roles for someone who might be interested? Sure. So the two main paths that entry-level yacht crew do are either deckhand, which is exterior, or interior roles, which would be called a steward or a stewardess, usually just called a stew for short. The other jobs on boats would be chef or engineering. So those are a little bit more specialized and there's other ways to get into those if you have that kind of background. But if you're like me and you have no experience, either a deckhand or a stew are the main two jobs. So a deckhand, like I said, is the exterior of the boat. So we're responsible for keeping everything clean and well-maintained. So we wash the boat a lot, get all the salt off. We do repairs to the teak decks, to the varnish, to the paint. Uh, When we're underway, we'd be doing all the anchoring operations. When we come into a port, we're doing all the mooring, throwing the lines, fenders, getting everything set up and run smoothly. We would do beach setups for the guests if we're somewhere warm, driving the tenders, which are the smaller, often like rib boats that would accompany the yacht. So I really like it. I get to be outside all the time, usually in warm weather. And it's quite a physical job, which I like because I had never been in a traditional job, I guess, anyways, of sitting behind a desk. So the other one, the interior role being a stew would be everything of service meals, drinks, housekeeping, laundry, keeping everything running smoothly on the interior of the boat for the guests and the crew, and would have more face time with the owners and the guests of the boat. Awesome. So you mentioned not having experience, but you managed to land yourself a role within a short period of time. So what were the steps that you had to take from not having any experience to getting that first job? So I did a ton of research. So I definitely recommend if anyone is interested in this, definitely get yourself a little bit in that Google rabbit hole and then feel free to reach out to myself or someone else in the industry if you need a little bit more guidance. But the absolute minimum to get a job on a boat would be a course called the STCW and it's basic safety training at sea. It takes five days. It costs usually between a thousand and twelve hundred either dollars or euros, depending on where you take it. So that is an investment, but it is a must. You will not get a job if you don't have that in hand. The other basic criteria is a medical certificate called an ENG1. And that's just a couple hours, go see a doctor, make sure that you are fit for work at sea. Other things that might help is a powerboat license. So it's called Powerboat Level 2. If you look it up, there's plenty of places that have it, both North America and Europe. It's a two-day course, so you're learning to drive those tenders that as a deckhand is super essential. Also for deckhands, another good to have 
would be called PWC, Personal Watercraft Proficiency. Uh, Basically, it's a jet ski license. So in Europe, most countries are quite strict about having a license to use a jet ski, and a lot of yachts would have jet skis. For Stu, for interior crew, there are tons of courses that if you have no experience in hospitality or housekeeping or cocktail making, things like that, that you definitely could take that would help you get ahead, but it's not necessary. So there's lots of other skills that people can take from land-based jobs that if they are green crew, which is what we call crew with no yachting experience, that they can use to their advantage. So what is the job application process like? Do you find jobs online? Like how does it work in yachting? Yeah, so COVID has definitely changed this a lot that more are listed online and more application processes happen online. Traditionally, the way to get jobs was called dock walking. So it's literally walking up and down the docks in a port and handing out your resume to all the boats that will talk to you. <laughs> so sometimes they would pull you on board immediately if they have need for a day worker, someone to just come on, get paid a daily rate, do some basic maintenance tasks to help out the crew. So in the old days, that was how it was still done. And a lot of people do still get jobs that way. Other people have crazy stories of they've met someone in a bar and they say, I have a job for you, or they get referred through a friend. But there are tons of websites now that have job boards through agencies as well. So I signed up with probably 20 different crew agencies of putting in my CV and my qualifications manually through each one of them, trying to get an interview with an agent that would put me forward for jobs. So green crew typically don't seem to get jobs through agents as often, but it does happen and it helps to have your name out there in the database. And then Facebook groups are another good way. So there are so many out there. Just search for yacht crew jobs, yacht crew on yacht crew Fort Lauderdale, things like that. So I'd say make sure you've joined probably 20 different Facebook groups, 20 different agencies and Just get networking, see if you can connect with other yacht crew, see if you can get into some WhatsApp groups that often will post jobs. So I'm in some that are specifically for female deckhands, which is really cool to know that there's so many more of us now. And then just leverage the skills that you have. Like I mentioned, lots of land-based skills can be relevant. So if you've worked in hospitality, especially high-end hospitality, hotel housekeeping, bartending, if you have cocktail knowledge or wine knowledge, experience in water sports, recreational boating or sailing, if you are a personal trainer, if you're a yoga instructor, a massage therapist, if you have spa and beauty skills, videography and drone skills is really popular now, scuba diving. So if you have anything extra that makes you stand apart, even if you've never set foot on a yacht before, those kinds of experiences can really help. Awesome. And the job that you described before that you were doing sounds pretty demanding. And did you feel prepared with the courses you took or did you learn a lot on the job as well? I learned a lot on the job. So just be prepared to be an absolute beginner. Even if you have tons of life experience, it is so different from any other job. I was very out of my comfort zone it really pushed me a lot to learn. So hopefully you can get on a boat with good mentors that are willing to teach you. That's awesome. And did you feel supported in that? Did you have some good mentors on your first boat? 
I did. Yes. So I've been on two boats now and I have, I've had quite a good deck team to work with on both. Awesome. And then just backtracking a tiny bit, like, did you have to go through an interview process or what was it like when you finally landed the job? Can you walk us through that? Oh, great. (laughs) So I guess I mentioned I got a job pretty quick. I was in the south of France and that is also super key is to get yourself to a yachting hub. So in Europe, it would be either Antibes in France or Palma in Spain and on the North American side in Fort Lauderdale in Florida. So a lot of boats, even if you do the interview process online, they would prefer somebody that's already close to where the boat is rather than flying someone in from the other side of the world. So again, unfortunately, that's a bit of an investment up front, but it can really pay off in the end. So I had done two phone call interviews with that boat and then came on board. And like I said, sometimes it happens really, really fast where you just get pulled aside from the dock or from the local bar on the marina. And they'll say you have like an hour to go pack your things, get on board, we're leaving. So it can be wild the way it happens. Wow. That's so cool. And like, so once you get on the boat, how long are you on the boat? It really depends. Uh, So there's huge variety in sizes of boats. So larger ones may spend more time at anchor than in a port. Sometimes the owner will be on board more often or only a couple times a year. There's also what's called either private, which is privately owned by usually one owner or family, and they might have their family and friends on, or charter yachts, which is where they would rent it out to somebody for whatever period of time. Charter yachts may be more demanding for a couple months at a time. You may have back-to-back groups of guests on board and not a lot of downtime, but you would make a lot more money in tips. Whereas private yachts typically don't have tips, although I've had some here and there with friends of the owners who are generous. And you typically then have a little bit more downtime in between trips and a little bit more of a life outside of working on the boat. So trips can be anywhere from, you know, five days to several weeks, sometimes even the entire summer season. So it's very unpredictable. It changes a lot. You can't really expect to make plans outside of the boat. You just have to go with the flow with it and be willing to adapt to whatever happens. Cool. So between the two boats you've worked on, like how much time have you been at sea? So my first boat, we spent a lot of time either at sea or at anchor. I hardly ever stepped ashore other than to get provisions and pick up guests. Sometimes we'd have an evening to drive the tender ashore and explore a little bit. So I did have some time to check out south of France and Greece where I was that season. Whereas this year I had a longer period in a shipyard, which is most boats will do it about once a year for anywhere from a few weeks to many months of doing maintenance on the boat, refit work. And then you work more of a traditional nine to five or even shorter days. Sometimes you'd often have weekends off. So it really depends on the program that the boat is running and what the owners want from it. Gotcha. So on the boat you were on in Europe, you went to South of France, Greece, anywhere else on that one? Mostly around the South of France, Monaco, passed through Italy, Greece. So there's kind of the main yachting areas would either be within the Mediterranean or on the Caribbean side, which can then also include around uh, the coast of North America. Okay, awesome. And then your second boat you mentioned is in North America. 
Yeah. So the second boat I joined in the U.S. Virgin Islands, they did fly me down there. And so we did some cruising around the Caribbean, spent some time without the guests on board in Puerto Rico, which was one of my favorite spots. Uh, it was so fun to just like explore old San Juan and get some time to go to the beach, hang out with the crew. And then we did a shipyard period in Florida and then went up the coast towards New England and the East Coast of Canada. Cool. So can you talk a little bit about your nationality? Like, does it matter where you're from to be able to work on yachts? And how does that work? It definitely can be a factor. So it depends on the flag state of the vessel. So many yachts are registered with either the Cayman Islands or Marshall Islands, which I believe anybody can work for. So only U.S. citizens can work on U.S. flagged vessels, but non-U.S. crew can work on yachts based in the U.S. So like I mentioned, a shipyard period in Florida is a home base, for example, or that cruise U.S. waters in the Caribbean if it's a foreign flagged vessel and they have a B1, B2 visa. So some people may have heard of this if they have applied to go to the U.S. just for tourism or for work. So some employers might help crew apply, but typically they will hire crew that already have this in hand. So you'll need to apply at an embassy for that. And during COVID, I know this is quite challenging and limited a lot of crew of where they could work. But it seems to be more and more appointments are available these days. So as a Canadian, I actually had an advantage because I get this visa on arrival for six months. So that made my options a lot easier. Then for the Mediterranean, you need a Schengen visa, which a lot of people are familiar with. So that's the 90 days out of 180 in most countries in Europe. So most nationalities get it on arrival. So then you have that amount of time to do your courses, get your job secured. And then the boat should help you stamp out of the country and onto the boat with the port authority, which pauses the clock on your 90 days. So you don't actually have a visa for working at sea itself. Like I said, most nationalities get this on arrival, such as Americans and Canadians. South Africans, though, there's quite a few in the industry. They do have to apply for this ahead of time to be able to enter Europe. Interesting. The other factor is that at the end of the day, it is up to the owners of the yacht, and they can choose to hire or not hire someone based on any factor, including nationality. So definitely some would have preferences, unfortunately. Makes sense. Very interesting. So. I know this is a very demanding industry. Can you talk a little bit about what you liked about this job and maybe what you didn't like so much? Sure. So a lot of people, when they hear about yachting, they think that it's amazing money. And it definitely can be. It's a decent starting salary. I guess I could have mentioned when we talked about the entry-level roles. I like to be transparent about salary because I don't think it should be something that's hidden or that crew feel pressured to accept a lower starting salary. So typically, new crew will get between 2500 and 3000 either US dollars or euros per month as a starting rate. And you should definitely not accept anything lower than that. And obviously, if you stay in the industry longer, you can work your way up to much larger salaries per month. And like I said, the tips can be very good on charter yachts, which can be quite demanding. But if you, you know, are smart with your money and don't just party it away when the when the guests leave, you really can save up a lot. You also have zero cost of living. So you pay no rent. They provide all your food, your toiletries, your health insurance, usually even your flights home after a certain amount of time. So it's a great way to save money. 
So then you kind of have that safety net when you do decide to either take a break or leave the industry. I liked working a physical job that was challenging. It was all new to me. I got to be outside. So I really enjoyed that. There's so many just special moments where I would pause and look around at the sea and be like, this is my office. This is my office right now. How many people get this? So you get to go to some cool locations and the views are incredible. Sometimes you get to spend time ashore. One time I got to go snorkeling with the guests in Anguilla. Like when would I have gotten to do this? I also love seeing the wildlife so often. Dolphins will come and play on the bow while you're underway. I've seen whales and sharks. I've gone to remote islands in the Bahamas and seen some of the best sunrises and sunsets ever. So I love all of those parts of the job. But like you said, it also can be very demanding. So you do work very long hours, often 15 hours a day if the guests are on board. And for maritime law, you actually don't count hours of work or get any overtime. You count the hours of rest. So you need to have a minimum 77 hours of rest in a week, which is not a lot. (laughs) I'm doing the math. (laughs) Yeah. So also never do the math on what your hourly wage is if you're starting out. (laughs) So you are also in very small living quarters. You typically share a tiny cabin with bunk beds with another person. You really don't have any privacy among your crewmates because you live and work together 24-7. There definitely can be difficult personalities and stresses that come out that can make the experience frustrating. Usually you don't get much choice in when you do take your leave. I guess another benefit I forgot to mention is you do, in addition to your salary and everything, get quite a good leave package. So typically minimum 30 days of leave in a year. Once you have a bit of experience, you might even get a rotational job. So for newer crew, that might look like a five month on one month off. But as you move up in the ranks to a chief role, it could be even two months on two months off. But you don't get to choose when that time is. So if you have friends, birthdays and Christmas and weddings, unfortunately, you will have to sacrifice going to some of those things for this kind of lifestyle. So that can be tough. For me, it wasn't as bad because I'd already moved abroad several years before. So I was used to living far away from family and friends and not going home as often. But if you are just leaving your hometown for the first time, that could be a huge adjustment. Awesome. So given all of that, like, how has working on a yacht changed your perspective, like moving forward in your travel career and your life, how you view the world, all of that? Uh, It's taught me that I can adapt to so much more than I thought I could. Like I said, the biggest challenge for me wasn't moving away or living in a small space with not many things, but just learning skills that were so outside of my comfort zone. I did love working with an international crew, people from all over the world. Now I have so many more places that I want to visit that people have mentioned that they're from or I should go visit their families yeah, I've learned that I'm really capable of a lot, but also it really makes you think about what is important for you long-term. So some people do this job for many years and they work their way up the ladder and make a lot of money. For me, I'm not sure how long I'll do it for, but I definitely want a life going forward where I have a little bit more freedom to go where I want, when I want. (laughs) And that's definitely important to me to have a little bit of quality of life 
outside of just my job. So I really made a conscious effort when I did have a bit of time in one city to go join a yoga studio for a month or something, just so I could have a little bit of a routine and a little bit of structure outside of my work life. So that balance is really important to me and new crew can really get swept away in everything and not remember to take time for themselves. Makes total sense. And like that applies in the real world too. Like in those corporate jobs, like sometimes you're just so gung-ho in a new role that you really forget about the balance aspect. So I'm glad you mentioned that. That's very true. Okay. So I think I have to mention below deck and I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, like, I mean, I, I watched the show. But is it annoying that people use that as a baseline as to what yachting is? Do people ask you about below deck on a regular basis? Yes. <laughs> I think it's so funny how many people know that show these days. So in some ways, it makes it a little bit easier to explain because at least they've heard of what a deckhand is before. Uh, below deck is very dramatic. And that kind of behavior would definitely not be tolerated in real life on a boat. So the show definitely can attract the wrong kind of people that just want to make a quick buck and party all the time. So definitely don't mention that show in a job interview if you want to be taken seriously. It's okay to have it as a guilty pleasure, but don't say that that's the reason you want to join. Um, I always say though, that the most accurate part of that show is how annoying that giant slide is. That is so (laughs) true. It's the worst. If you haven't seen Below Deck, like on the top deck of the yacht, they have a giant inflatable slide that they have to blow up for the guests to like slide down off the side of the yacht into the ocean. And it looks so heavy and they make it like, (laughs) it's like a theme of every single season about how difficult this slide is. So It's so true though, because it takes hours to set up and then they enjoy it for a couple minutes and that's it. (laughs) That's horrible. And that's literally part of Janessa's job. So wow. (laughs) The real hero. (laughs) Amazing. So I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a fantastic conversation. Like, honestly, I've gone down the yachting Google rabbit hole before just because like, below deck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But If someone is genuinely interested in this industry, not just because of the show, what is one piece of advice that you have to give to them as to where to get started and maybe how to stay motivated when the going gets tough? Sure. Like I said, there's so much more information out there these days. So there's entire podcasts and YouTube channels and blogs and Instagram accounts that can teach you everything you need to kind of get your ducks in a row before you get yourself to one of those yachting hubs. So just do your research. Uh, If you are serious about it and you get stuck, my Instagram is always open. Send me a DM. I'm happy to help just like someone helped me when I first started. I'm sure there's so many other yacht crew out there that are also willing to give some advice and just be persistent because you will get rejected a lot, especially if you're dock walking or you're applying to these jobs online that have 400 applicants. So you really just need to be persistent And don't get discouraged if you don't hear back because there is a boat out there for everyone. Awesome. Thank you. And can you share your Instagram? I'll also share it in the show notes just in case. Sure. It's just my name, Janessa Klatt. Alrighty. Thanks, Janessa. I really appreciate you being here. Fantastic conversation. And everyone else, I will catch you on the next episode. Bye.
Thanks, Callie. Wait, before you go, if you're eager to score a remote job or a travel job, you may be hesitant because job searches are so tedious. You apply to hundreds of jobs only to receive crickets. People often apply to as many jobs as possible, assuming that that will give them the highest chance of success, but that is completely backwards. You need an efficient strategy so you aren't wasting time and effort on jobs that you don't even want. Join me for a free workshop on Tuesday, December 6th at noon Eastern Standard Time to learn a job search strategy that works with your schedule instead of making your job search your full-time job. You can register at www.travelshifters.com slash job search workshop, or just visit the link in the show notes and get registered there. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.